0: in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit you may be seated in addition to today being the third sunday after trinity and the day that we welcomed oakland Jean, who apparently has already had enough of me into the flock of the holy christian church today is also an important anniversary in the life of our confession of faith, the Lutheran Church. On this date, June the 25th, 1530, our fathers in the faith stood before Emperor Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire in order to present a statement of exactly what it is Lutherans believe, teach, and confess. We call this document the Augsburg Confession and it still serves as an important role for us nearly 500 years after the fact every seminary student at our seminaries is taught this document every pastor ordained into the ministry of the lutheran church missouri synod makes this confession his own because it is in full agreement with the word of god and each pastor also promises to perform his duties in accordance with the holy scripture and with This confession, in fact, I repeated that promise to you and before God himself on the day 11 years ago almost when I became your pastor. Sorry, eight years ago. Again, don't do math from the pulpit, Pastor McKinley. But this confession is not just for seminary students and it's not just for pastors. When a teacher candidate completes his or her her coursework and is preparing to become a teacher in one of our schools, they also pledge to uphold the Augsburg Confession. Even our teachers that don't go through the full program at one of our Concordias, when they take a class to do the colloquy, they do take a class on the Lutheran Confessions, including the Augsburg Confession, and they make the same promise. But this confession is not just for pastors, it's not just for seminarians, it's not just for teachers, it's for all of us. Article 3 of our congregation's constitution, I bet you didn't think you were going to hear about our constitution this morning. It says this, "The, the congregation as a body and all its members as individuals declare unreserved acceptance of and adherence to all canonical books of the old and new testaments as the verbally inspired and revealed word of god and the only rule of life and faith and to all symbolical books of the evangelical lutheran church as contained in the book of concord of 1580 as true and a sound exhibition of the word of god among those confessions in the symbolical books of the 1580 book of concord is the Augsburg Confession. We, as a congregation, are required to pledge this to be part of the wider Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. But why? Well, it's because this document, among all the documents that we have, this document, the Augsburg Confession, defines what it means to be a Lutheran now before you get your hackles up and say well it's the bible that defines what lutheranism is which is not wrong it is worth pointing out that lots and lots of people will claim to confess what the bible teaches there was a church in my hometown actually where i grew up that actually had the name bible in the title of the church now I'm not going to reveal names because I want to protect the innocent. But I know for a fact that this congregation, for instance, did not believe what the Bible actually teaches about something like holy baptism, for instance. Even though Jesus clearly says in Mark chapter 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And then the Apostle Peter, we heard this earlier, also says baptism now saves you. This is what the Word of God teaches, but there are congregations that say, we believe the Bible, but they don't believe what the Bible says about baptism. So what you say about the Bible is really what makes all the difference in the world. Now the other amazing thing about the Augsburg Confession is that it was not produced or presented by Martin Luther or any of the other pastors of the Reformation. Instead, it was written by one man, Philip Melanchthon, who was a layman. He was a scholar at the University of Wittenberg where Luther taught. And it was also presented by being read out loud in front of the emperor by, you guessed it, a layman. The other amazing thing that we ought to consider is that when these men read the Augsburg Confession before the emperor, it was read under the threat of death. The emperor had demanded that the Lutherans, when they came to Augsburg in 1530, that they march in the Corpus Christi Festival, which happened that week that they arrived. The Lutherans refused to do so, saying that it was against our confession of the faith. And they knelt down before him and said, we would rather have you lop off our heads and to do anything that goes against our confession of the faith. So why do I mention all of this today? Well, again, it is the 493rd anniversary of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. Without this document, the Reformation would not have amounted to anything. However, it also ties very nicely with our epistle reading from 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have that, you can take a look at that as I kind of piece my way through it. The first thing that Peter does in this epistle is to direct his hearers, that's us, to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, casting all of our anxieties upon him. When the confessors at Augsburg presented their beliefs before the emperor, as I've already said, they did this under threat of death. In fact... Luther had already been consigned to the death penalty. Of course, he did not get killed, but he was in hiding for more than a year while the Reformation worked itself out. All of them could have been executed for treason at Augsburg. The reason Luther didn't go there is because, again, he was under the threat of death. This month, the month of June... We have seen, once again, the battle for the American soul as the so-called Pride Month has raged all around us. While things have not necessarily gone well for brands like Bud Light or Target, the real loser in all of this is you guys. The culture war rages all around us all the time and it is exhausting but the thing is i'm as a pastor pretty well insulated from all of this i can speak the truth on these issues from this pulpit without any fear for my livelihood or worry about my family's well-being in fact people expect me to say the things that i do but some of you guys go to work or you go to school in places where acceptance and celebration of these lifestyles is not only encouraged, but it may be expected of you. And while you're probably not facing the penalty of death like the men at Augsburg did, losing your job or losing your place in a school is a very real and scary prospect. As Christians we are called to speak the truth that doesn't mean that we ought to be rude about it you don't have to pick it and make a big demonstration of things but it does mean that we have to be careful what we say and the best advice that I can give to you today is that you do not live by lies If someone wants you to use certain pronouns or invite you to a wedding that runs contrary to the scripture's teaching, you must decline to do so. By your acceptance of these new terms or by your presence at a wedding celebration, you are giving your approval to these things. This may put you on the outs with the people around you. You may be called to suffer. For the sake of your confession. But Peter says something else here that is worth remembering. He tells us to cast these anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. In doing this, you're trusting that the one who told you that you were going to be in trouble with the world because of what you believe is actually telling you the truth. The same one who said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. He is speaking the truth. This same one also said to you, in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. This is the Lord who loves you. And to be in his camp is to be on the side of the victor. The next thing Peter does is he takes the mask off of all of the enemies of faith and exposes an important reality that will help us in this cultural battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the devil himself. He is our oldest foe. And if you've noticed how partisan and divided the world has become, how the battle lines today seem even darker and bolder than they ever have, it's because there are no neutral parties. Jesus says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So we are called as Christians to join with Jesus. Jesus. Peter says to resist the devil, firm in your faith. Satan may appear as an angel of light. He says things like, people will like you more if you simply give in to the sexual revolution. And he says things like, love is love. And he also says, don't you want to just be on the right side of history? St. John tells us, the friendship with the world is enmity with Christ. But the one thing about the devil is that he often shows up as an angel of light. Even though he does that, he really is a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Satan is not our friend, no matter what nice promises and nice things he may dangle in front of us. He wants nothing more than to drag you away from God and murder you as he did with Adam and Eve. How easy would it have been for our Lutheran fathers to simply give up the fight and to kiss the Pope's ring? But that unity would not have been a unity that is based in the gospel based on the word of God, and it wouldn't be gathering with Jesus. So Peter reminds us here of the promise that we heard from Jesus several weeks ago back in the Easter season. Our suffering in this life, dear saints, is just a little while. That means that it will not last forever. Either our Lord will resolve it here in time by some means that we do not yet know or perceive or he will bring it to conclusion by calling, yourself, calling you to himself in glory. Either way, the suffering of this present time, says Saint Paul, is not worth comparing to the joy that we will have on the last day, when God's presence and his justice is once and for all revealed. We will be confirmed in the truth that we confessed here. And the Jesus who created us male and female is the way, the truth, and the life. His is the dominion. His is the kingdom, for he is the king. Not only now, but forevermore. In Jesus' name. And now, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.